Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, so this is so much fun. I finally have Tracy Willard. I've been trying to do this interview with you, I think since January, Tracy, I'm pretty sure. And fast forward, I think we're in July of 2020. I mean, who knows where all the months went by, right? So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This is going to be so awesome. So Tracy Willard is born and raised in the town that I live in, which is my main home, of course, as everyone knows, I live in Michigan and Florida, but the Michigan home, I always say this is where my junk drawers are. So this is my main home for sure in Port Huron, Michigan. And you were born and raised here. Uh, You studied education both at St. Clair County Community College here in Port Huron, Michigan and Wayne State University in uh, Michigan as well. And you, you said in your bio, which I thought was funny, which we'll dig into, you said, however, you thank God for not becoming a teacher when you studied education. So, so we'll dig into that. And you're, you were a self-professed, you said hover mom. I always call it a helicopter parent uh, because, of course, I own uh, cosmetology school. So I get around a lot of the helicopter parents, which are all pretty much my age. <laughs> so, and I was a helicopter parent too, by the way. So uh, you were a PTA president. Uh, uh, you were a lunch lady. I love all this classroom 80. So it sounds like you were actually a teacher that just wasn't getting paid is what it kind of (laughs) sounds like to me, which I'm loving to hear every bit of this. You have three grown uh, sons. They're all married. You're a fellow grandma, just like me. So we can share some grandma stories, which will be awesome. Uh, You were a freelance writer for, we used to have a newspaper. Yeah, folks, there used to be a newspaper called the Times Herald. Now it's all digital and online, right? And uh, then 2011, uh, you and your husband founded the Hunter Hospitality House, which calls HHH, right? It's a nonprofit. And uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about that. And that was in honor of your late son. And that, what that is, you have two of them. It's free medical lodging near both hospitals, which I, I knew the minute that I met you, Tracy, I was like, this is a very special woman. She's amazing. My book is called Be Amazing. And this is the B series. And this is people who've gone through adversity and have been able to use their adversity to be an advocate for something that's missing in this world. And so you're the change through the adversity that you've gone through. So first of all, thank you. And I know this is going to be an incredible interview here. Uh, Let's dive right in uh, to the adversity because I know people are going to want to hear your story, um, why you started Hunter Hospitality House. Sure. Um, Well, our second son, Hunter, he was born prematurely and he lived 16 days. During that time, I was released from the hospital before he was. And so I drove back and forth from home, which was right in town, to the hospital. I really shouldn't have been on the road because I was exhausted and emotional. And every time I got in the car, I was a danger to myself and to others. But I wanted to be at the hospital. I also wanted to be at home where my first son was. So I would drive back and forth conflicted and emotional. And after 
Hunter passed away, my husband and I just really remembered all that exhaustion. And through the years, we started talking about how great it would be. There was a place by the hospital for people like us, other people who have an exhaustion situation. Maybe they have a longer drive. They have some emotional situation and they shouldn't be on the road either, but they can stay right near the hospital where they want to be, where they need to be, so that they can get right over to the hospital and then back and get healthy food and rest, take care of themselves while still being a caretaker to the one who's in the hospital. So that's how Hunter Hospitality House came about. We were able to open that first location on what would have been Hunter's 20th birthday. Mm. And uh, with the community's support, it's a nonprofit, totally supported by the community and encouraged. All the referrals come from the nurses and the people in the community. And because so many people needed it, we uh, opened a second location two years later, next to the other hospital in Port Huron. So we are directly next to both hospitals in Port Huron. That's incredible. Wow, Tracy. So let's talk. So your son was born prematurely. How many weeks when he, he was born? So my daughter's pregnant with her second uh, child right now. So just kind of thinking, right? Because of course, my kids are older. So I never know, um, you know, what the length of how many months was he or how many weeks? He was, uh, my water broke at 32 weeks, and he was born at 33. Okay. Uh, real tiny and had some breathing difficulties. So uh, he passed away at home. Oh, he passed away at home. Yeah. Okay. So they released him from the hospital. Yeah, he was uh, released from the hospital and put back in the hospital and then released again and passed away at home. Oh my gosh. Talk a little bit about that. Um, and and I, I had another interview actually with the young lady that lost her daughter that when she was three years old and mm. this heart wrenching story. And I know your story is going to help somebody uh, as we speak on, on this as well too. Uh, talk about what you were going through during that time. Well, I, I'm sure everybody knows that the first thing I'm going to say is that it was horrible. It was beyond anything that anybody can imagine that they can live through. To, uh, to have your baby one moment and to have plans for his whole life, assuming that he's going to grow up in your home and become an adult and get married and you'll have grandchildren from him. And instead, he's gone in an instant and if not but god that god immediately comforted not so much that i didn't have to go through three years of grief that i can i could bitterly taste every moment of and beyond of course grief is a journey and it takes a long time to go through and we'll keep coming back we had another son when Hunter died, and that baby was just 18 months old. So I not only had the love of God on my side, I had an 18-month-old baby that I had to get up for every day 
and take care of. So that was a real gift from God. Oh, that's so amazing. And I can imagine when you get to heaven someday, he was, he's going to just say, mom, well done, you know, through that process. Talk about, uh, it took 20 years. Why, why so long to open this Hunter Hospitality House? Because it probably made you think, you know, right away. Was it right away after he was born that you thought this is a need? Because I've never heard of a hospital having, I've heard of Ronald McDonald House, right? Or someone like you that started a nonprofit. And how hard is it to even start a nonprofit? Because I have so many people that listen to this uh, podcast, uh, Tracy, that want to start a nonprofit, and I don't even know what advice to give them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all encompassing. And like we talked about earlier, I was a helicopter mom. I was very busy hovering around those children. And I could not have imagined starting something as important as a nonprofit. Uh, my children were in their late teens before we began Hunter House. And what, what transpired you to do that? What, uh, was there something that happened or did you know right away all those years that you wanted to do it? Well, maybe not right away, but through the years we talked about it, we developed some ideas, lots of thoughts in my journals. And so it was sort of a dream that we had that we would love to do someday. You know, you have those someday dreams. And I was a part of Port Huron Town Hall at that, at the time, um, at about 2018, 2017 maybe. I'm sorry, no, 2008. And somebody there at the board meeting was talking about family members sleeping on the lobby of the hospital you know, sleeping on the floor in the, in the hospital lobby. And I told her about this dream that we had always had to alleviate that sort of situation. And she knew somebody I really ought to talk to at the hospital. And so through the years, we had reached out to the hospital without a, a great deal of interest. And so I reached out to this person that she recommended and Within a couple of weeks, we had a meeting with hospital administration and told them of our idea. And they said that they would talk to the nurses and see if there was a need for that. They called us back about a month later and said, the nurses said, yes, there is a need. And so we left that meeting and went to a lawyer's office and went to an accountant's office and we contacted Operation Transformation, which is a wonderful organization in Port Huron. Yes. And Operation Transformation actually has a pathway for people who want to start a nonprofit. They have a really good checklist and a certification program so that you can make sure that you're doing everything that needs to be done legally to have a nonprofit. So that, those were the steps we took and lots of book reading. And I was a, an employee then of Bridge Builders Counseling and Mentoring, another nonprofit here in town. 
it's something I love about the St. Clair County area, Tracy, is there's so many incredible people that are a part of some really, really great nonprofits. And I've had a lot of them here on our podcast, our Be Amazing podcast. So talk about, uh, so you, 2008, all of a sudden you're like, I just got to do this. Talk about the trials and tribulations of getting it going, some of your failures, some of the things that you would tell someone that, that says, hey, you know, I, I want to start this nonprofit, it's on my mind. What would be the first step? And I love the fact that Operation Transformation has a checklist. I love that. Uh, but talk a little bit about your tribulations, what you wish you wouldn't have done, and what were some of the best things that you did? Ooh, that's a great question. I think it's so wonderful to have a husband who wants the same wants to do a nonprofit as well because i like i said it's all encompassing your, your first thought when you wake up and your last thought before you go to bed is the thing that you spend all of your time doing which is your nonprofit and if you didn't have a spouse that was right on board with you, that could really be a problem. <laughs> so I have to say that is a, a wonderful advantage that I have. So, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about maybe some of the families that have gone in there that you've helped and tell some of the stories. Like what's, uh, what's a couple of your favorite stories? Oh, well, we help people who have a hospitalized loved one. Um, treatment of their own for cancer or wound care or something like that. And uh, people who are using other nearby medical facilities like um, Marwood Manor or something like that. Um, I guess the friendships that have come out of meeting a lot of the guests, we've had over 1200 guests through the years since opening in 2011 and we've really gotten to know a lot of them so much so that some of them you know I'll get Christmas cards from and re really have become close friends with so amazing yeah I, we, we of course love the young parents we have tender heart toward them what they're going through. We have a lot of empathy having been there, the, the feelings that they're going through. And, and then of course the cancer patients because they stay with you for weeks and weeks. You get to really know them as well. And there's a lot of um, sadness when some of them end up passing away. Yeah. So, yeah, really becomes a part of you. So most of them find out about it when they're in the hospital and they see a brochure or a nurse recommends our service. And we ask that they call us directly. The hospital doesn't have to call us. The, the potential guest calls us. And we just make sure um, through that questioning process that they um, could stay alone because we are not living in the houses. So they need to be either independent themselves or with somebody who could help them navigate the door and things like that. Uh, and, and if we've got the room, we wanna make sure to help them. So it's really not 
that they're chosen. We, we just, we'd love to help anybody that gives us a call and we've got the room. Wow. And there is no cost to them or do they pay anything? There's no cost. It's absolutely free no matter how long they stay. And we provide food and laundry supplies and hygiene supplies and just about anything you can find in a house, you'll find in these houses. And uh, so if you were, there's even emergency clothing. So if you were caught unaware, maybe you took grandma to the doctor and all of a sudden grandma needs to go to the hospital and you want to stay right there, we'll make sure that you have a change of clothing and anything that you could need like that. You said you had 1,200 families go through there. Have you personally met all of them, you or your husband, through that process? Between my husband and I and our oldest son, we would have had to have met them all. Yes. That's incredible. One of us. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. So, talk, like, when I was saying, you know, what were some of your mistakes or failures to this process, to this opening it that you want people to know, uh, but also through... Uh, the process. Did you have to put in a bunch of your money in the beginning? And how have you raised money for this? How is this funded? Talk about the funding for your nonprofit. Well, at, at the beginning, definitely those initial expenses were um, my husband and I, and we were able to begin. Once you begin a nonprofit, once you have your uh, nonprofit status, your tax ID number, then you can uh, begin fundraising. And so we have a, a wonderful wall on at one of the Hunter Hospitality Houses that has over 100 names of the people who believed in us before we even had the organization open mm. and gave us donations. So that was an incredible thing. And we lease the houses from both of the hospitals. So we don't have the expense of having bought a house. Oh, wow. That's a good idea. Yeah. I love that. How did you get people to believe in you in the beginning? And how much did you raise in the beginning in order to get that done? What did you do to get that process? So our, our beginning goal for raising money was uh, 100 at 100. We were asking 100 people to join us at $100. And we were able to raise that before we opened the house. And we also had been uh, recipients of a Walmart grant right after we opened. The Walmart had this program of 25 days of giving and somebody had nominated us. And so we won a substantial grant through that national contest. So that was very helpful with those initial expenses. So what advice would you give someone now? What would you advise them to try to get a Walmart grant or is there any other types of grants that people could apply for? for I'd say the very first thing you need to do is make sure that you've got to, you got to have a story. You've got, you've got to have a why because people want to know the why. Yeah. And so even a compelling story. <laughs> Even before we opened the houses, we had our own why. And now we have 1,200 other people's whys and the reasons that they needed to stay at the hospital. And I can explain all of that when I'm fundraising. And I'm going to call this uh, be networking uh, because it's so important to be successful. You have to network. I don't care what you're doing, but obviously 
a nonprofit is just like having it's just like having a business. I mean, let's just be frank. It just happens to have a nonprofit where you don't have to pay taxes, right? Yes. <laughs> so, in fact, I have uh, I just did an interview with a graduate of mine, Tracy, and instead of doing a nonprofit, she's doing a for profit. And so she kind of flipped it on its head. And I said, you know what? That's actually brilliant. Good, good idea. Good on you, you know, to be able to make that happen, but still yeah. be able to help people through cancer because she's uh, been going through cancer. And, okay. uh, and so it's been a really, really interesting concept. And I think it's something new, actually. And so I was really excited. So I love that you said networking because I'm, I'm actually coaching one of my students right now uh, because one of uh, her child is autistic and there isn't any... Uh, hair safe places for autistic children to go to to get their hair done and mm -hmm. so she wants to start this nonprofit and uh, to go through this process and I said you got to network like and I know so, of so many people so I'm actually putting her in front of some of these people and I love that you said that and uh, getting to know people so has that always come natural for you it seems to me like you just always been a volunteer because obviously you were the helicopter parent which we'll talk about <laughs> but I love it I was the same way, even though I was working, I owned businesses, I was still in my kid's classroom and, you know, helping out as much as I could and being in as many field trips as I could. I just wanted to see who my kids were hanging out with. I was just really that fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who are you choosing as friends, right? And yeah. so being the helicopter. But talk about the networking. Uh, how did that, what's that untold story for you that you got so good at that? I think I just really enjoy people. It's an opportunity to meet a lot of new people. I learned something new about our community and about people that are in our community that I've seen through the years. Uh, just attending meetings like Compass, I've seen you before at the Compass Christian Business Luncheons and you just you look for somebody that you haven't sat with before and try to strike up a conversation. Make sure it's not all about you. <laughs> Learn about them. See if there's something you can do for them. A lot of people need to be heard. A lot of people need to be helped and helping other people is the best way to get to know them. Right, I'm on the board uh, for several nonprofits, but one of them is the Andrew Gomez Dream Foundation that I'm on, and there's several subsidiaries on top of that, right, to be able to help, and my daughter has been doing the same thing, and because then that way you're not having to do all the heavy work of, you know, getting the 501c3, hiring a lawyer that specializes in that, you know, and yeah. going through that process, uh, and I love the advice you're giving because but I also noticed that a lot of people are kind of introverts and they're afraid to sit with someone new. Uh, what's that untold story for you that you, did you always have that confidence and that bravery uh, to be able to go and do that, Tracy? Or did you have to like push yourself out of your comfort zone? Oh, almost always I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. This COVID experience, has been very comfortable for me. I really like working from home and not having to talk to so many people, but I just 
I have felt the benefit over and over again, not just for Hunter Hospitality House, but like you said, getting involved with other nonprofits is crucial. And a lot of the needs that you have as a nonprofit, you'll find that other nonprofits have the same needs. For example, when we were first starting up through the years, I noticed it would be really hard sometimes to get volunteers, as many volunteers as I needed for house cleaning or gardening, those kind of things. And I talked to other nonprofits who were having the same sort of situation. And so together we created something in Port Huron called the Volunteer Fair. So all of these nonprofits, we get together once a year at the college or the convention center. We all have our tables out like it's a vendor show, telling people how they could help as a volunteer. It's publicized in town on the radio, in the newspaper, on Facebook, and you know, it's an open house. So people just walk through and gather information about various nonprofits and We've had great success in Port Huron getting volunteers for all the nonprofits through that volunteer fair. Have you ever heard of that happening in any other communities? Because I have never heard of that. So of course I live in Florida too, and I, unless I just unaware that it's in Florida, uh, but I haven't seen it. I, I didn't know of it. I didn't know oh, yeah. another one, but uh, yeah, it's really fun to do. It's a really great idea because then people can kind of see where their gifts and talents are as well too, uh, to see, you know, hey, this is where I'd like to serve. This is, you know, this really, this, this resonates with me. And I love the advice that you gave Tracy to get involved with other nonprofits, serve on their boards, because you're going to learn so much serving on another nonprofit board for your own nonprofit as well too. And so really researching that. What is the best way that you would give someone, because uh, no I have people from all over the world that are on this. Uh, some, one of my biggest um, fa uh, fan base, <laughs> I should say, is in Africa, which is awesome. And so what would you recommend uh, for people to do to be able to get involved uh, with, with an organization that may resonate with them? And I think as a business owner, and I speak to a lot of hairdressers, of course, uh, being in the hairdressing industry is, uh, just getting involved with so many different people. You have to network in order to survive. I mean, my husband was a lawyer, just, just uh, retired. Um, he had to network. We were always hitting the pavement. I remember when he ran for judge the one year, we were going door to door. <laughs> now, and it's different nowadays, of course, with social media, but we just were always networking. Pancake breakfast, I ate so many pancakes, you know, but just to meet people. <laughs> Yes. So talk about that and the importance of that and what advice do you give? So I would scour your newspaper, your social media, any opportunity that there is, a business expo, uh, get involved with your chamber of commerce. Your local chamber of commerce is really connected. I know here in Port Huron, we have a great chamber of commerce and yes. they have networking groups twice a week and those networking groups have broken off into other networking groups so there's many opportunities to get involved and get to know other business owners other nonprofit people in town 
Yeah. When we first started out, I just read the newspaper with a highlighter and any opportunity for me to go somewhere, be somewhere. I called all the churches. I asked if they wanted to have us come during their coffee hour and set up a table. And so we would just stand there and if people wanted to come up and learn about Hunter Hospitality House and how it was helping people in the community and how it could help them, we did that. We reached out to the neighboring counties. Uh, here in our area, there's two counties farther north of our county that very often stay with Hunter Hospitality House because they're traveling down to our city for their hospitalization. So we reach out there. Very cool. Yeah, I know there's a lot of uh, Facebook networking groups all over Detroit area as well, too. And so there's so many opportunities. They'll say, hey, we're going to meet for coffee, you know, meeting groups and things like that. Obviously, right now, no one's really meeting. It's right now it's via Zoom, but there's a lot of Zoom things going on right now, too. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which I think is really outstanding. So tell me, uh, so your need as far as uh, fundraising, how much money, uh, what do you have for your break even and what's your goal uh, that you need to reach every single year and what are you doing specifically to get the money? Well, numbers questions are never my <laughs> strong suit. But I, <laughs> I can tell you it costs about $42 a day for us to provide free lodging for someone at Hunter Hospitality House. So my goal is to cover all of those expenses through fundraising so that nobody ever has the need to give to us when they are going through their own situation. You know, maybe later down the road, five years from their experience, they'll be in a position where they can start donating back to the charity that helped them. So that's my goal. I just try to make sure that all of those expenses are covered. I love that. I love that you know it per day. I think that's awesome because I actually coach salon owners. Uh, they have to know your numbers to grow your numbers. I, I coach business owners and I also coach entrepreneurs. And we always tell them, know what your break even is, right, per day. We even go down per hour, per chair, that sort of thing. And so, and then what's your goal? And then we can break it from there of what you want to reach, right? What's sure. your goal that you want to live off of, right? So this yeah. is the goal. So this is where you have to be. And, and so, a nonprofit again it's it's a business right you have to run it like a business and so what would you say are some of the ways that you actually raise the money do you have events that you put on do you have banquets what do you do we do we have an annual banquet it's called hope blooms and it brings in uh we were good we were going to be having about 700 people we had sold 675 ish tickets and we did have to postpone and then cancel that event because of the COVID situation. But that is an annual event that we have. It's a really um, nice opportunity. People can partake in raffles, give in an envelope. They can do it 50-50 and it's fast, just a couple of hours with dinner and entertainment. So that's a fun thing. I really, emphasize monthly giving because that's what's going to 
keep us steady, keep us open, keep our bills paid. So the more monthly donors that you can get to cover those regular expenses as a nonprofit, the better. So if somebody's giving $10, if somebody's giving 25, that doesn't matter so much. Because once they're a monthly donor, that's your potential volunteer. That's your person who's gonna refer a guest to you or another volunteer to you. That's somebody who's going to buy, we have a Hunter Hospitality House pendant right now through Lawrence Jewelers in town. My monthly donors are going to be excited about that because they're supporting us every single month. They're going to remember you with memorial donations. So those are the people that you meet with, that you have lunch with, that you become friends with. And when we do make those contacts, we like to tell them, you know, let me tell you about a couple that stayed with us. And the husband had medical situation and the wife had a broken arm and they needed to stay with us because of how many appointments that they had and they didn't have to drive back and forth. You know, I'll tell them a story so that they understand that their donor dollars are really making a difference in people's lives. Yeah, I love that. You know, with, with COVID happening, of course, I know it kind of changed things and you had to cancel your banquet. What plans do you have to make up for that loss? We also have an endowment fund through the Community Foundation here in town. I really recommend that everybody as a nonprofit work up to a point where they can do that. And, and then what's the, an endowment fund? An endowment fund is funds, are funds that are being managed by a community foundation that grow and stay in the community and then they grant you a portion of that. Uh, so that's, uh, that goes on forever. So that endowment fund is gonna last much longer than Jeff and I are going to last on earth. So that's just one of those sustainable things. We want Hunter Hospitality House to go on. And in order to do that, of course, you need funds. And that endowment fund can grow as those funds are invested. So that's a great thing to do. And it also gives you a whole new network of people. And I, I, I'm just guessing you just sat at the feet of people and just took notes and said, tell me what to do, right? I did, I wrote lists. I just let them talk and I just wrote lists. I bought all those books that you see in the store, how to start a nonprofit for dummies and all that stuff. We became a part of the Michigan Nonprofit Association, the Chamber, community foundation, any place where I could find someone smarter than me to tell me what to do. There's a lot of smart people out there. <laughs> I love this. This is so powerful. And you know why I'm loving this is because this can resonate with anybody. I don't care what business you're building. And, and one of the books that I always recommend, especially to my students and to people that I'm training, is to read the book, The Ideal Team Player. It's by Pedrick Lencioni. And it's real simple book. It's a fun book. You would love it, Tracy. Uh, but the ideal team player is to be humble, 
hungry and smart. And so obviously you have a lot of humility if you didn't, because uh, arrogance will actually keep us from networking with people. It'll, it, and we're not confident, right? And so humility actually causes us to be more confident to be able to go out and ask for help. You know, humble people ask for help. <laughs> and they yeah. meet people and they sit at their feet and they take notes. And that's one of the pieces of advice I give people. And I'm like, hey, I'm, all, I'm always up for a cup of coffee, you know, always up for a cup of coffee. And it's always amazing to me the people that are too afraid to reach out to me. I'm sure that's happened to you as well, too. Uh, or maybe you were afraid to reach out to somebody and they were like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to unleash some of my, because successful people want to help people unsuccessful people don't want to help people. And so I, I'm sure you found that out. Um, and then hungry because you knew, was there ever a moment of time you're like, honey, we got to shut this baby down. Like I'm done. Was there ever a moment of time where you're like, no, we're going like COVID hit. And, and people were like, are you going to shut down your schools and, and salons for good? I'm like, what? I, that wasn't even a consideration. Like, I don't care if we go completely bankrupt, we'll just start over. Cause I'm in this to win it. Like, this is my ministry. Yeah, this is everything to me. Like, this is my life, you know? Absolutely. I, talk about that because I think there's so many people throwing the towel. Let's, let's talk about that untold story for you. Well, if I were only going off of my experience, then maybe I would feel that way. But every day I'm meeting somebody else that needs the house. So... Those are the people I keep in mind when I need to go out and do that awkward fundraising. I don't think anybody likes asking somebody else for money. And people who think that it comes easy for me are, are just wrong. It's, it's not that it's easy. It's that I know people need that house. And I know that there's other people who would love to provide that for those people and and it's a full circle thing too so many people who have donated to us or volunteered for us ended up needing the house for themselves or somebody else if your ministry is something that anybody could need at any time that makes it so much easier i always said uh to people that if you want to find a great leader uh, for your company, which I remember when um, one of my staff members, she, I hired her right as after she graduated from my school here in, in Port Huron. She's now heads up our school. Her name is Lisa Martin in Sterling Heights, Michigan. It's, our, it's one of the biggest schools in the Palmetto Network. And she was that one person, she was like you, Tracy, where she just fundraised all the time. She was a volunteer. And I always tell people, hey, if you want a great leader, go after somebody who can ask people for money. So how have you been able to ask people for money? How did you get past that? Because I know a lot of hairdressers who aren't willing to charge what they're worth. And it's like, this is your livelihood. Like you're saving people's lives from looking terrible. <laughs> you're giving yeah. people confidence, you know? It's like charge what you're worth. So how do you do that, Tracy? Like how do you ask for money? Well, just remember it's not about you. And make sure that you understand what you need. Those numbers that we talked about earlier. I know that I need, for every guest that's staying in the house, I need $42 per day. I know that's the need. And when you ask, understand 
that many people will say no. It's not personal. It might not be a time in their life that they can donate. Your vision might not resonate with them. It doesn't have anything to do with you. Don't take it personally. I say all of this, but I have thin skin. Sometimes I'm pretty sad after a no, but I also keep in mind that you have to have, I think you have to have 10 no's before you have one yes, right? So if you told me no today, Tina, I would probably say to you, well, now I just need to meet nine more people like you so that I can get to that yes. Because I think that's one of the biggest human things is, you know, we have this fear of rejection, right? And, and so that's probably the quote of the day. Many people will say no, it's not personal. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you really get through that? Like, what's that untold story for you, Tracy, to be able to... And for me, this is for me, is just to keep getting rejected because the more I get rejected, uh, the thicker skin I get, like you were saying, the thin skin, thicker skin. It kind of seems like if I go through that wall, my skin gets thin again. <laughs> but you know, we're human beings, right? Right. We all have our own history. Rejection's a hard one for me, but I have a really supportive husband. So I come and talk to him and he reminds me of all things I need to hear. And we pray together and I pray each day that the Lord is going to send people who need Hunter Hospitality House, that he's going to send volunteers who can help Hunter Hospitality House, and that he's gonna send donors who can fund it. I think that's really part of that humility and hunger uh, too, and being smart. Smart meaning, you know, I know my strengths, know my weaknesses, and I know my weaknesses. I'm not that good, but I know God is. And so I love that you said that because I always, you know, I have to talk to myself about this very often, uh, but to business owners is really praying in the right people into your company. And, and I love that you said that because you want to have the right volunteers too. And, and so talk about that as a leader. Have you struggled with some of the wrong volunteers uh, that were maybe in it for the wrong reason? I know as a business owner, we have the same thing. Some people that are in it for the wrong reason, they have positional leadership, if you will, right? So they want to be a boss versus want to be a servant. And so it's hard to find those servant leaders, but, but I always try to add it in my prayer journal, you know, Lord, bring me the right people. And then praying for my team members. I remember my husband saying, uh, Tina, have you been praying for your staff? You know, <laughs> he said this to me years ago and I'm like, Oh yeah, I should do this. <laughs> and so I would add it into my journal and I would notice that we would have some of our best years ever, you know, the years that I really, really got on my knees and prayed. And, and so talk about maybe some of your leadership failures as far as is, uh, bringing in maybe some of the wrong people and that and that sort of thing. Well, I, I think I've learned a lot as an employer through the years for uh, how to work with an assistant. I had to go through a couple of those before I got to the point where I understood what my delegation style should be. And so that I would say was something that I really needed to work on and work through. And a lot of volunteers that come to us, they really, they've gone through an experience maybe needing a hospitality house themselves. And so a lot of them want to help the people that are staying with us. 
and they're surprised that volunteering at Hunter Hospitality House, you might not come into contact with those people at all. Mm -hmm. They're over at the hospital. So we definitely go through people who are disappointed, meet people who are disappointed in what they assumed was going to be their experience volunteering. And some people totally get it and they're cool with vacuuming and dusting and occasionally saying hello, sitting down and hearing a or a guest story, uh, what's going on at the hospital. But many times the volunteer is just a quiet person that the guest never sees taking care of the house, or taking care of the yard, taking care of the garden. We do these little notes we put a picture of the volunteer who cleaned that bedroom in the bedroom on the dresser with a little biography about them and why they're volunteering. So then the guests understand. Do you have any stories of, of uh, volunteers that their lives were changed by volunteering for your organization? I, I have always said, Tracy, that my definition of leadership is transformed people transform people and that's obviously what happened with you you know you lost hunter you got transformed and all of a sudden you're like i'm gonna change people's lives with this not not everybody lives in that sense right so most people just live as a victim their whole life oh my gosh this happened to me and you see them posting on facebook like you know they're you know talking about the death of their child uh, but they could be using that energy for something positive like you did, you, you were like, hey, this happened to me, but hey, I'm gonna use his life that he was here on earth for the few days for something to cha change people's lives. Like, hello, not many people do that, Tracy. I think that's incredible. What, uh, what's that untold story for you or what stories have you seen with some of your volunteers? Well, I would have to say, I have learned so much from our volunteers The we have, two volunteer awards that we give each year. And one is in memory of a good friend of mine who helped us in opening that first house. And she developed brain cancer and continued volunteering in any way that she could for Hunter Hospitality House right up to the end of her life. And, she, and we have an award in her honor somebody that we honor every year and I'm so excited to have so many people like her involved. We also have an award, the Martha Kerber Volunteer of the Year Award. And Martha has been making chocolate chip cookies for us every week since we opened that first house. So she makes chocolate chip cookies for the volunteers, I mean, for the guests. And she helps in all sorts of other ways. And she's in her 90s. A beautiful, beautiful woman, very active. So we're just one of the organizations she volunteers with. And so we do try to honor, but we have more volunteers than we have awards, more wonderful volunteers than we have awards every year. I cannot believe you have 90 year old volunteers, you know, and so, you know, I'll walk into my parents actually live in an assisted living home right now, but I've been in other, you know, nursing homes and, and every, you know, everyone just seems so distraught and I don't know, just 
like not living, right? And it's just, it's sad. Like you just want to cry. And, and I'm thinking, man, what can I do to give them something to do? <laughs> some, some kind of volunteering. Because this is a cool story. Uh, John Maxwell's uh, dad just passed away. He was, I believe, 98. And, but right up to the very end, he was a pastor, but right up to the very end, he's, he couldn't walk at all. He was bedridden uh, for quite a while, but he was still praying for people. So the, some of the people that were living there would call him and, you know, say, okay, I need you to pray for me. Or they would text him, <laughs> you know, what is, what, when he could text. And, uh, but he would still be praying for people. That's what he did to his very, very end. And I thought that is so beautiful. And he even took it upon himself to be the chief greeter in the place. He gave himself a title, not getting paid, you know, <laughs> right? And so- How wonderful could, that he could volunteer in that way, even on his bed. He volunteer yeah. to pray for people. I love that. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, his story and his life is a game changer for me because his son, John Maxwell, talks about him as his name was Melvin. Maxwell and actually the stories of his life transform me. So these stories are transformational and to hear the story about her, this just really, really gets me excited about life, you know, and to never say you're ever too old to do something. There's always something you can do to contribute. How important is it as a leader to always be a contributor? Because I know for me, like to get my joy back and, and let's kind of talk through this process because I'm sure that you probably went through some depression. I'm sure you still, you know, I still go through uh, moments in my life, uh, but the minute I contribute, and so even just doing this podcast interview with you, Tracy, I'll get off and I'll be flying high uh, because I know this message is going to change a lot of people's lives and cause them to do something different that they weren't doing before, get their joy back, right? What's right. an untold story for you of why being a contributor is so important? Well, I think it was Corey Tenboom. I'm gonna I'm gonna misquote her, but she says that when we look inward, we'll be depressed, and when we look outward, we'll be distressed. But when we look upward, we'll have rest. Uh, you know, I just really believe too much looking inside is gonna depress me. And I just pray that the Lord will show me somebody to help, somebody to pray for. Uh, it's not about me. <laughs> Life is not about us. Beautiful. Wow. I think we're going to find that Hunter helped more people than some of us do that live till 90, you know? <laughs> I just, I love this story. I think it's incredible. And I love uh, the secret to not be depressed is to help others, period. And, and so, you know, this is so crazy because in December, God said, I want you to start a private Facebook group, which I had a few of them, uh, but he said, I want you to start one. And I want it to be focused just on praying for anyone who joins. And I'm like, well, God, I really don't have time for this, but okay. And so this is December, right? And busy season. So I, I messaged my assistant and I said, could you start this for me? And uh, now we now have 114 people on there. And I'm telling you, I feel like we all helped each other get through quarantine. I call it quarantine. Uh, but just the fact that you could even start just a private Facebook group and say, hey, I'm starting this group just to pray for you. And so talk to that mom right now. Would you breathe life into them? I have a lot of students that are moms. I have a lot of entrepreneurs that are moms. 
moms and they have the guilt complex of that they're in school and they have the guilt complex that they're at work and, and talk to them, give them sure. some hope and inspiration right now. Okay, the first thing I want to tell you is I want you to totally ignore what Tina and I said that we do at the beginning of our day. The reason we can do that at the beginning of our day is because our children are grown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Your time in the Bible is going to be a tiny little snippet here or there. So have your Bible open on a table and believe that God is going to give you the scripture that you need when you need it. But don't guilt yourself into an hour-long, yes. quiet time in the morning. Don't guilt yourself any time along this journey mm -hmm. because it's big. It's so big to raise children and partner with God, go to church, find women whose children are older than your children and who are turning out well and spend time with those women. Find out what they did. Always ask questions. Don't feel silly asking any question of somebody older than you. Is my child supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be feeling this way? All of that, because you'll get the advice. People love to give advice. Yes, they sure do. I think some people spend 24-7 uh, on Facebook there. <laughs> I think you're right. Advice I, out there. <laughs> isn't it funny? You can put a picture of a flower on Facebook and end up with people telling you that you were growing it in the wrong place and maybe yeah. it should have shade or, you know. <laughs> People like to give advice, even if you're not asking for it. I love it. So as, as we end this out, Tracy, I love your positivity. And I say with networking, you've got to be that positive person because who you are is who you're going to attract into your life. So here you're going to network. And so you're right. You could network and, and attract the wrong people because you're the wrong person. And so your positivity, how do you stay in that mode of Christianity, a positive Christianity? Because I mean, I know a lot of Christians that aren't, they kind of moan and lead at the same time. <laughs> I don't stay in it. I don't know anybody that stays in it all the time. Of course, we all go through our times where we're not positive. But definitely time with God. If the time that you have with God is talking to him as you're driving to a soccer game after you just got done with a PTA meeting, right before you have to go to a church meeting, somewhere in there, talk to God. He'll help you dial in, dial into uh, the things of God, things that are true and right and admirable and praiseworthy concentrate on those things i love that i wrote that as uh my success principles that bible verse and i made like a balance wheel out of it and i i started looking at some of them i'm like not so good need to work on that one <laughs> god i need your help on that one and uh but it is it's all about uh success what you're focused on grows right, right. and so Tracy, what's the best way to get a hold of you and to give back as a volunteer or as a contributor, uh, monetary-wise, uh, to your organization for those that are listening today? Oh, what a great and wonderful question. Thank you for asking it. I would ask them to visit HunterHospitalityHouse.com online. We've got a great website there. 
there's a form they can fill in if they're interested in volunteering. There's another form if they're interested in donating. They can learn more about Hunter Hospitality House. If they want to reach out to us by email, it's hunterhospitalityhouse at gmail.com. Those are two really easy ways. I could give you the phone number to Hunter Hospitality House too. It's 810-824-3679. Uh, what last piece of advice do you have for those listening right now, the leaders that are listening right now, Tracy, as we close this out? All right, one last piece of advice. Um, you're putting me on the spot here. I think uh, you really need to find good people. Keep looking for good people. Don't think that you can do this yourself. Look for people who have been in your shoes or people who could help you fit into your shoes and listen to them. Listening is so much better than teaching, don't you think? Amen. I'm with you, girl. <laughs> I wouldn't be where I am today without it, for sure. So thank you, Tracy, so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.